Hey, welcome to the new hockey podcast, Free For All Fridays. And I am your host, Stephen Stiles. After spending an immense amount of time trying to figure out exactly what topic to cover, I realized that for the opening show, we need to do a rapid-fire type theme to the show because there is just so many different things going on right now. So let's begin with one of the favorite topics of many people, and that would be contracts. So fortunately for Shea Weber, his contract has been dealt to the Las Vegas Golden Knights, and I say fortunately because he will finally be able to be left alone and not harassed every waking moment of his life. Of people saying, you owe us an interview, you owe us a status update. He doesn't really owe anybody anything. He did all his talking on the ice when Montreal went to the Stanley Cup playoffs into the finals and he really i don't know where this thought process comes from of like he needs to talk to us directly he needs to speak to us he needs to let us know what's going on actually he doesn't he's doing everything he needs to do to improve his condition so that by some sheer magical luck because that's what it's going to take he'll be able to get back on the ice as a player which is highly unlikely that he'll ever be able to do now, moving from the Shea Weber contract on to the Jeff Petrie contract, Montreal again successfully navigated a very good return for a player that they were trying to move and a contract that they were trying to move. Jeff Petrie clearly said last year that he was no longer interested in playing for the Montreal Canadiens. There were some family issues that were involved, which certainly take precedence over anything else. So Montreal has finally moved his contract along with Ryan Paling, to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And in return, has gotten defenseman Mike Matheson, a very young defenseman that has very similar offensive skills, has a very good transition game, has a very good first pass, and will be a very good addition to the defense. And most importantly, wants to be there and is excited to be there. In addition to that, Montreal also picks up a fourth-round pick in the 2023 draft, which is an extremely deep draft. A lot of people don't get excited over mid-round selections. They're like, yeah, that's kind of a throwaway thing. There's been a lot of good mid-round draft picks that have produced a lot of excellent players. Teams that draft well, organizations that understand the teams that get built through the draft, understand the value of any draft choice there is no draft choice to be laughed at and if everybody is thinking well name some good late draft picks how about Henrik Zetterberg would be one from the Detroit Red Wings who is a seventh round pick um who is that goaltender from the New York Rangers Henrik 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 what was his last name yes Henrik Lundqvist that was his name Henrik Lundqvist I think he turned out pretty well as well and turned into an all-star goaltender okay so people that laugh at compensation in the form of mid to late round draft picks really show their lack of knowledge as to the value and what asset management really pertains to with a hockey club or for that matter any sports club this particular issue has become very apparent in the obsessive Pierre-Luc Dubois discussions. Has nobody learned a lesson from what Montreal received as compensation for Mikhail Sergachev? Jonathan Drouin was supposed to be the next great white knight, the next great local hero, the next great French player. How'd that work out? Because you are staring down the barrel of the exact same scenario. 
there seems to be an obsession in obtaining a player that right now is somewhere between Jonathan Drouin, Christian Dvorak, and Josh Anderson. Can anyone honestly say they're happy with the production level of those three players based on their annual contracts that between the three of them comes to roughly $14 million? If you can, your expectations for $14 million and my expectations for $14 million differ drastically because none of those players have been impressive. One good game or when somebody feels like playing or they're really up for that opponent or, you know, this is just a game they're looking forward to doesn't qualify as a professional athlete, okay? You have an 82-game regular season. You're here to play all 82 regular season games and the playoffs. And as a comparison, let's use Brendan Gallagher. You're all in. You leave it all on the ice. There's no questions to ask because you gave it everything that you have. And Pierre-Luc Dubois is going to be the next waste of a contract. And if anybody is nuts enough to think that he is worth a Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, Caden Gooley, Riley Kidney, any of the Canadian prospects that they have, a Sean Farrell is another one, he's not worth even any of those players one-on-one let alone in a package deal or all these people. It's like, oh yeah, package Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and a first-round pick. Are people insane? First of all, there's a couple problems with that. One, he is not even close to the quality of any one of those three players. Number two, let's say he was, for the sake of argument, who's he going to play with? Who else is going to be qualified on the team to even be on an NHL roster? If you trade everything away for one player, and this gets back to the importance of asset management, some of the things that people want to give away, some of the players that people want to give away, and the amount of assets that they want to include, you strip your team's future. You've got nothing left. You become a perennial bottom feeder league team that can never get out of the way itself let alone produce any consistency let alone win anything now if that's what you're looking for great you're you're there you you have you have swung for the fences and you have hit the home run but i don't think anybody in montreal would even be remotely okay with that kind of team performance or that kind of in and out season okay i get it pierre-luc dubois is a local kid I get it. He's a francophone. I get that. But not at the expense of quality to the team. Not at the expense of putting the team in a very bad contractual situation. Because I don't know how it can be justified based on one good season, by the way. He hasn't had a number of good seasons. He had one good season. He had a career year last year. That does not justify an eight-year, $64 million or $80 million contract that Montreal is not in a position to pay for, not only currently, but again, if you go back to the draft assets and the draft picks, Montreal has a ton of excellent prospects coming on the defensive side, on the offensive side. And there's even room for discussion on the goaltending side because goaltenders do not have to be first-round draft picks to be the franchise goaltender. Again, back to Henrik Lundqvist, seventh round pick. Rangers got, I would say, maximum return for that seventh round pick, okay? So I am at a loss to understand the obsession with Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, if you want to send Josh Anderson, Jonathan Drouin, Mike Hoffman, Christian Dvorak, Paul Byron, 
maybe even, and I don't even think Montreal has these players' rights anymore, but Jacob Olson, a second-round pick from a prior draft, maybe you want to include Jake Evans. I'm okay with that. Send it. And quite honestly, that is the equivalent value of what you're getting. A combination thereof, or hey, send all those players to Winnipeg. Okay, they're players that are currently playing in the NHL. They're not players they have to wait for development with. Winnipeg is in a win-now mentality, fits their needs, addresses several different positions. But as far as a prospect, there is not a prospect other than Jacob Olsen that I would give to the Winnipeg Jets from the 2019 all the way through the 2022 draft that just ended for Pierre-Luc Dubois. He's not worth it. I would have to see Guy Lafleur type offensive numbers, 125 points, 136 points. Unless I see that kind of consistency, I'm not excited. I am seeing just a complete replay of the Jonathan Drouin trade, which was an absolute waste. Imagine if you had Mikhail Sergachev here today in Montreal, who, by the way, just signed an eight-year extension. So apparently they're very happy with him, and apparently he's a big part of their plans. So in recent time, probably from the at least the 2010 draft, which brought you Brendan Gallagher, 147th in the fifth round, the next good draft choice that Montreal had was Mikhail Sergachev in 2016th, ninth pick overall in the first round of that draft, which, by the way, was the best pick in the first round of that draft by far. And before anybody says it, I have nothing against French players. This is not a Pierre-Luc Dubois issue because he's French. Again, I get the importance of the local connection. Who wouldn't miss the days of Jacques Lemaire, Guy Lafleur, Pierre Mondou, Serge Savard, Guy Lapointe? The list is endless. They are the greatest players in the minds of many that have ever played the game. And how could we not include Jean Beliveau? Of recent times, probably the only players that even belong in the same sentence or maybe conversation are Mario Lemieux and Vincent LeCavalier, okay? So this is not a ethnic issue, but it's just not a consistent player. How many more times do you want to go down the rabbit hole because of the, oh my God, we got to have someone local to look up to? It just doesn't and hasn't worked. And it would be great if all of those great French players still played in Montreal. The league has become a global league and a global game. It's just different. Not to mention, you have 32 teams now. So your second round pick is not like Larry Robinson was in his draft at 20 overall. Okay, you've got the first 32 picks are just around. From 33 to 64 is just around. You're not on your third or fourth draft choice drafting the 43rd player overall in the draft. Where the talent level has to be spread over a lot more teams. You've got 250 plus players now in the draft okay it's it's a lot different than it was when you could have just a small amount of teams drafting in the third fourth and fifth rounds first round picks like you get today it's just not like that anymore so this brings us to the last of the currently obsessive topics regarding players, none other than Carey Price. I'm not sure what answer people are still waiting for. The medical people have injected the plasma-rich blood. 
They're waiting for it to do its job. There is absolutely nothing anybody's going to be able to tell anybody until Carey Price puts on his equipment and is a game time decision. Not an exhibition season, game time. It's always different when you're playing in a game versus exhibition or any other situation. And Carey Price, if you remember his last interview last year after Montreal played Florida, I think that pretty much gave everybody the answers to his situation. Not that they were the answers that everybody wanted to hear, but if you recall that interview, play it back. There's copies of it all over the internet when he said, if this was my last game, I'm okay and I can walk away. That pretty much tells you where he's at. He would love to play. He would love to continue to play for many years. I no doubt about that. He's a professional athlete that has gone through a training regimen that most people can't imagine on an average daily basis. But if that was it, he's okay with that. Would he have liked to win a Stanley Cup? We would have all loved to see him win a Stanley Cup. Most importantly, he would have loved to have won a Stanley Cup. But the injury is severe. The injury is just not going to be able to be answered until he is in a real game situation. And at that point, we'll all find out. If everybody is really lucky, Carey Price returns to a 40, 50, 60 game goaltender. If everybody, including Carey Price, is really unlucky, Carey Price steps on the ice and before the first period is over with, some type of injury happens where he has to make a certain type of movement laterally or something like that. The knee gives out and he's taken off on a stretcher. Let's hope that doesn't happen. That I would hate to see that happen. His major concern has to be his family. He has several children and I'm sure like any anybody else who's a dad, he would love to be able to grow up and grow up with them. He would love to be able to play with them. He would love to be able to do lots of that things that require good knees in, in order to have the mobility to be able to do anything with your children. So I'm sure that's at the forefront of his mind. But there there are no answers. Everybody keeps saying, oh, what about Carey Price? What about Carey Price? What about Carey Price? Or a status update. You're just going to have to wait. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't like to wait these days. But this is going to be a test to people's patience. Most importantly, Carey's patience in the organization. Those are going to have to have the most patience because it's just a wait-and-see game. It's nothing more than that. Now, moving on from Carey Price, which whether it's because of this injury or just time in itself, which every hockey team is going to have to do eventually, there's always that star player. It's like, oh, can you imagine the day that person's no longer with us? It's coming. Okay, and it's it's coming potentially really soon or in a couple of years. It just depends on what happens with the injury. Montreal has several goaltenders that could be the heir apparent to Carey Price. The most notable or most recognized name out of that is Caden Primo. There is a potential for an heir apparent there. Caden's going to have to get a lot more playing time. Caden is going to have to be given a chance to really create a fluid consistent game is he there who knows maybe he'll be a camp surprise this year but from what we saw at the nhl level previously he looked like he needed more time in the ahl there's also several other goaltenders one that they just signed today as a backup or potential starter for laval next year and that's Joe Verbatic from the OHL North Bay Seminoles. So they've drafted several goaltenders in later rounds that are all six foot five, all two hundred pounds, big stand up traditional goaltenders. Pay attention 
to one goaltending prospect in particular that Montreal drafted a couple of years from a U.S. program in Ohio State. And if you look at the numbers for Jacob Dobbs, they are exceptional from a save percentage to games played. He seems to be one of those diamond in the rough fifth round draft picks that could turn out to be something really special. So just because Montreal hasn't drafted a goaltender in the first round, oh my God, what are we going to do when Carey Price either leaves because of his injury or retirement? There's a lot of possibilities there. There's a lot of possibilities. There's another gentleman playing in Europe, Frederick DeChow. Again, another six foot four, six foot five, two hundred pound goaltender. Put up really, really nice numbers. And the key to these goaltending prospects, above and beyond even every other prospect, is development. Montreal apparently has a very good goaltending scouting staff. And now combine that with the development understanding that they have, that they're moving forward with and building, you've got the makings of a lot of potential solid players, if not above average players. So let's wrap up this week's show with the 2022 draft. And there seems to be a lot of people that were disappointed that the Canadians didn't draft Shane Wright. Well, the draft is unpredictable generically. So if you feel there's a player that has the greatest upside, can make the greatest impact on your team, position irrelevant, you take that player. You take the best player available. And many people believe that was Uri Shilkowski. Okay. Shilkowski is a big left winger, has tremendous goal scoring potential, likes to play a physical game, likes to play an offensive game. Perhaps he can finally be that power forward, the real power forward. Not the wannabe power forward, but the real power forward that every team wants. And in this case, Montreal got him. If you look up and down their draft picks this year in the 2022 draft, it was about two things. Speed and skill. Almost every one of them had it. Now, there was a couple of defensemen in there. Defensemen aren't known to be as fleet of foot, if you will, as a forward is. But even they were quick, mobile defensemen. Just like we talked about earlier, how the game has changed so much, that's how the game is changing on the ice as well. It's becoming more mobile, more transitional, more fluid, faster paced. So everything that you saw in the draft is a player that can play at a high skill level, at a high pace. And yet there's people complaining. Oh my God, we didn't draft Shane Wright. Well, if you look at the Montreal prospects that exist... You look at the players that are on the team. Let's be honest about something. Would we like the Montreal Canadiens next year to win the Stanley Cup? Who wouldn't? It would be fantastic. That being said, how many people realistically think they have a chance to do that? So right now you have Nick Suzuki, Christian Dvorak. You have Kirby Dosh. You have Jake Evans. You have Rem Picklick. You're good at center. And, and by the way, I, I realize that Kirby Dosh was a result of of the 22 draft so maybe we shouldn't include him you still got four starting centers you have that position filled at the moment for the team that you're icing there's a lot of people that seem to think that you can build a championship team overnight you can't and you can't do it for one main reason actually there's several reasons but one of the main reasons 
is the salary cap. You can't just go out and buy your way to a championship. And there has been teams in other sports that have tried to buy a championship, and very few have been successful. Very few. And when they've even been successful, it's been for a season only. Nothing sustainable. That's not the way you build a championship, okay? You want to build, and I think the people in Montreal more than anywhere else want a return to those days where every year you were in it. Every year you were a contender. Every year the team was a legitimate threat to win it all. And that's what this draft is about. Finally, in the last several drafts, starting with 2019, the Cole Caulfield draft, all the way through this year with Yuri Slikowski. Finally, Montreal drafts are full of prospects that have great potential and if developed right, can create a newer version of those teams that everybody longs for for so many years now. Well, that concludes this week's edition. I hope everybody enjoyed it. We'll be back again next Friday with another edition. Until then, Steve Styles, have a great weekend.